Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 25 and following. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, that is, Jesus said, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came, looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said unto him, He that shewed mercy unto him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. May God add his blessing and understanding to this his holy word. Interesting passage. Uh, I've, probably not many of you were here this morning. But really, the two messages were different. The first message was from Matthew 22, the first and great commandment, which Jesus answered a very similar question. Here, a, a, a Pharisee comes and tempts him, a lawyer of, of the Old Testament law, how shall I inherit eternal life? Earlier this morning, we looked at Matthew 22, where someone came and said, what is the great and first commandment? The answer is the same, by the way. The answer in Matthew 22, Jesus gives. The answer here, the lawyer himself gives at Jesus' prompting. And the answer is, for the first and great commandment, and the answer is, for how do I inherit eternal life? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about the absolute vital importance to loving God this morning. For without that love, whatever we do, whether we speak with tongues of angels, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, that passage that we like to quote at weddings, whether we give all of our goods to the poor, whether we give, yes, our body even to be burned for the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, if we have not charity, that is the agape form of love, the very same love that was manifest in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, He so agaped the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, if we do not have that kind of love, it says it profits me nothing. Whether I give my body to be burned, whether I give all my goods to the poor, whether you do what you should and don't do what you don't, the Bible says it profits you nothing if you don't love the Lord your God. But then, the message today, this evening or this afternoon, whatever time it is, uh, <laughs> we're going to do an evening service, but <laughs> is the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. 
And, uh, and so the scribe is willing to receive this first part. He says, yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's in the law. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go back and study it. The very beginning of the law starts out with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then the second part, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, hey, you got it right. Do this, and you shall live. You shall have an eternal life. And so the, the scribe or the lawyer willing to justify himself says, And who is my neighbor? And whenever Jesus starts telling a story in answer to a question, look out. <laughs> and that's what he did here. And we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, we're going to leave the parable briefly to look at a couple other passages in the Gospels. And then in just a few minutes when we draw back to the end of the message, we will return to this passage. So don't think we're just leaving it all together. But I want you to go with me now to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. The two messages, as I alluded to earlier, are intimately connected. To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. 1 John chapter 4. After all, this, according to Jesus, all of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, and to love your neighbor as yourself. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. And so, we see that there is a connection the first five commandments, right, of the Ten Commandments are all about what? Your relationship with God. Have no other gods before me. Worship me alone. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The second five of the Ten Commandments are about what? Your loving your neighbor. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Bear false witness. Covet, right? And so this, all of the law is comprehended in these two. The question is, how are we doing? In loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. Think about that for a moment. How well do we do that? Let's take a look at this passage that makes the connection. Here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love Him, in the context this is God, we love Him because He first loved us. 1 John 4, 19. If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother who he has seen... How can he love God who he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. Whosoever, chapter 5, verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loves him also who is begotten of him. Because after all, God makes us anew in his own image, in the image of his son Christ Jesus, henceforth the term born again. How can we love him who gave birth and not the one to whom he gave birth in his own image? Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and His commandments are not grievous. So loving God and loving a neighbor who's made in the image of God are intimately connected. And Jesus says, whenever He's asked, and He's asked several different occasions, by the way, in the Gospels, several different times, essentially these questions. What's the first and great commandment? How do I inherit eternal life? How do I, I know, you know, th th in different ways, but they're all the same answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's take a look at a couple more passages in the Gospels before we return to our passage in Luke. Let's take a look now in the Gospel of John. We're, in, we're with the Apostle John, 1 John. Now let's go back to his Gospel, John chapter 13. 
Jesus uh, spoke a great deal uh, to his disciples about loving God and about loving one another. Let's look at the Gospel of John chapter 13. I haven't forgotten our text. We'll get back there. Just be patient. The Gospel of John chapter 13 verse 34. 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you. This is Jesus speaking. That ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. Wow. Jesus is God. How he loves us with a perfect love. So much so that even though he was so troubled in spirit in the garden of Gethsemane, that yes, he even sweat great drops of blood, yet at the last moment, nevertheless, thy will be done and not mine. And he went to the cross and he suffered not only the pain of, of, of being whipped and being a crown, a, a, corn, a, a crown of thorns poked into his head, nails into his wrists and his feet, but more than that, the separation of him from God the Father with whom he had perfect love relationship from all eternity past. For God is love. And before he created anything, he is perfect love. Because before there was anything in existence, there was God. And God is not one in person. He's one in spirit. He's three in person. Because to have love, you have to have the lover. You have to have the beloved and you have to have the spirit of love. God the Father loves the Son by the spirit of love in eternity past. Perfect, unselfish love manifests forever and ever. And yet Christ on the cross for his love for you and for me and for all who will believe upon him allowed himself not only to be nailed to that cruel old tree but to be separated for a time from his Father. And he says, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? He forsook him because of your sins and mine laid upon him. That's how much Jesus loved us. And he commands us to love one another with that love. It's impossible unless we have the love of God inside of us. And we can't have that love until we love God because if we love him, he will love us. He'll manifest himself towards us. Give us his spirit in our hearts and enable us to love one another with the very love that Christ loves us with. And that's what he commands us to. In, in uh, the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. By the way, what's one of his commandments? His main commandment is to love one another. <laughs> you see the circle there. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What is his commandments? A new commandment I give unto you, that even as I have loved you, you love one another. Jesus makes it very clear that loving God and loving one another is the key to the Christian walk. And no matter how many good deeds we do and how many bad deeds we omit... If we have not that love relationship with God the Father and with those who are made in His image, we are really profiting nothing, the Bible says. And so how does this relate back to our parable? Well, let me remind you. Jesus says very clearly in, uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 13, verse 14, 15, we must love one another. In chapter 15, you have the parable of the vine. We must abide in Him, and He is love, so we abide in His love. And it says in chapter 15, verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's Christ Jesus' love for us. 
That's the type of love he's asking us to love one another with. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We must abide in his love. Before we go back to the parable and the conclusion of the message, I want to point out something from, from Romans and from the Apostle Paul. You say, boy, we're going to a lot of passages. Well, God authored all of these books by his Holy Spirit, and I think it's a, it's a joy to, to see the same message in different places. Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells us that he owed a debt. And I believe each and every one of us who are true Christians have a debt to pay. You say, yeah, they keep sending me bills and keep calling. No, I'm talking about a different kind of debt. <laughs> Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says in verse 14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. He owes them a debt. What does he owe them? Verse 15, So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul says, I have the gospel. I have been born again. I have this mercy, this love inside of me, this salvation, this assurance of salvation through Christ. And all of the people around me who don't know it, I have a debt to pay unto them. And he says, he witnesses the same thing in Romans chapter 13 when he says, Owe no man, Romans chapter 13 verse 8, Owe no man anything but to what? To love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there is any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, the armor of love. Love is the force, is the impetus, is the stimulus of missions. The greatest missionary of the world was not William Carey or David Livingstone, certainly not Joseph Allegrary, but it was Jesus Christ. He gave up the most. He came the farthest. He condescended the most. He suffered the most. He saved the most. Jesus Christ is the greatest missionary. And what was the stimulus for his being sent to the earth to redeem mankind? For God so what? For God so loved the world. It's that love. And without love for God and love for our neighbor, mission strategies, plans, programs are useless. So we return to our parable, and with God's help, the end of the message here. Gospel of Luke. Let's go back to the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10. And let's take a second look at this well-known parable. I think what we have here is exactly what it appears to be. It is a parable. Perhaps it was a story. Perhaps this was an actual account of someone who went from Jerusalem down to Jericho and fell among thieves. And yet, I believe that Jesus is teaching them something of deeper spiritual importance. Let's take a quick look at that here at the end of our message. Back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Remember the question is, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. I think that certain man is you and me. 
That certain man is all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of those we got here today? Most of you are listening. You got your hand up. Okay, good. good. I see that hand. <laughs> all of us are that, thie that, that poor man who came down from Jerusalem to Jericho, minding our own business, and we have been stolen from, we've been wounded, we've been left half for dead by who? By the thief. And who's the thief? Satan himself. The thief comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. If it's not Satan, it's our sin. So we have been made half dead without Christ. We're completely hopeless like this poor, this poor uh, Jewish man who's lying there half dead. He's completely unable to save himself. And that is our nature as we're born into this world. And we have now a priest comes by and a Levite comes by. Certainly these ministers of the tabernacle, the temple of God, will help out this poor soul. They come by and what happens? It says, verse 31, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And then the next verse, verse 32, And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came, he looked on him and passed by on the other side. That's even worse, you know. And then, 33, the Samaritan. Now remember, the Jews didn't care too much for the Samaritans. The Samaritans were an evil, mixed race. They were enemies. They were dirty. We have no dealings with the Samaritans. And so when Jesus talks about the priest and, and, and the Levite, the Jewish listener is thinking, surely they'll help. That's like saying, uh, Pastor Dagenhart's coming by and he doesn't help. You'll be surprised. Or, or Missionary Joseph's coming by. He didn't help. But then... Someone else comes by, someone you don't expect to help, someone despised. And it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And listen to the steps here. When he saw him, he did what? He had compassion on him. He did a mission work, but he wouldn't have done it if he didn't have compassion on him. And that's the love. That's the love. He had compassion on him, verse 34. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Who is the Samaritan in this parable? It's Jesus Christ. I believe the Samaritan in this parable is Jesus Christ. Why? Well, for one reason, he's talking to the Pharisees who have already ridiculed him. And if you'll check it out in John chapter 8, verse 48, when Jesus does miracles, they say, Say we not well that thou hast a devil and art a, a Samaritan? <laughs> so he makes himself out to be that Samaritan. And what does the Samaritan do in the parable? He comes and he loves this poor wounded man. He has compassion on him. He goes to him. That's what Jesus did. He had love upon us when we were without help and about to die and suffer and perish. And he came with love. And what did he do? Verse 34. He went to him. He bound up his wounds. By his stripes ye are healed. He bound up his wounds. Pouring in what? Oil and wine. What is oil a picture of in the Bible? The Holy Spirit of God. Only that can come through being born again, through believing in Jesus Christ. And the next thing, wine. Isn't that interesting? What's that a picture of? The blood of Jesus Christ. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit of God, no one can be saved. Jesus Christ here, I believe, is picturing him as the, himself as a Samaritan. And then he says, and on the morrow when he departed, remember he took him to an end. Jesus got off of his donkey or horse and he walked so we could ride on the horse. And he takes him to an inn. And they get to the inn and he says, and, and verse 35, On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host 
and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Why well, I like that. Take care of him. And whatever you spend more, when I come again, I'll repay. Did you catch that? When I come again. Praise God, Jesus is coming again, folks. That's Jesus Christ. When I come again, I'll repay thee. He's already given the down payment to the innkeeper. He's already given us himself through the Holy Ghost. Everyone who's been born again has the earnest of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit of God inside of us when we're born again and we're engaged to Christ Jesus who is the groom. We are his bride and through this life we may suffer many toils and snares but praise God at the end of the last day Jesus Christ the good Samaritan will come again and if there's any reckoning to be done that will be the day of reckoning. He will repay. He will give us everlasting paradise and bliss and perfect love in the absence of sin, in the absence of hatred, in the absence of prejudice, in the absence of failure, in perfect heaven right before Him. He is the good Samaritan. He is the one who goes and helps the one who hates Him. While we were yet in sin, dead in our sins, Christ died for us the ungodly. And remember what he says at the end of the parable. And he said, verse 37, 36, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? The Pharisee doesn't want to even say the word Samaritan. So he says, He that had mercy on him. And what does Jesus say? Go and do thou likewise. What's he saying? Jesus here is the Samaritan. We are to do what Jesus did. Jesus loved us. When the world turned against him, we wouldn't receive him. He came to his own, his own received him not. He died on the cross for us. He loved us so much. He gave up that perfect fellowship with his father. He gave up being, being king, an earthly king. He suffered the temptations of Satan. He was tempted in every way that we are and yet without sin. And he loved us so much, even though we were contrary to him, that he came and he died for us. And he was raised again. And he gives us salvation alone. And he asks us to do the same. And so here's where I end. When we look at Muslim people, or people who may be perceived as the enemy, or people that may be perceived as not so lovable, and we think, you know, I'm really not too excited about sharing Christ with these folks. God forbid that Jesus would have had those similar thoughts when he was contemplating coming to save you and I. Before we were born again, were we really any better than an Osama bin Laden? Would we not have gone to the same hell were it not for the mercy of Christ? When we begin to plumb the depths of our depravity and our lostness, even as this man who was half dead it is only then that we can appreciate the heights of the love of Christ Jesus, the love of God the Father manifest through His Son coming to take away the curse and to offer us everlasting life through His death, burial, and resurrection. Christ Jesus died for us. Is it unreasonable for Him to ask us to live for Him? It says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Is it not reasonable? He died for us. Should we not live for Him? We must love God 
We must draw closer to him day and night. We must meditate in his word. We must pray. We must seek him with all of our heart. And as we draw closer to him by knowing him, by putting, hiding his word in our heart that we may not sin against him, and the love grows. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Our love for him grows, and his love in us is manifest more and more. Then and only then can we have that true impetus of love to show it to those neighbors, to those hurting people, whoever they are, whether they're the Muslims in the new mosque or whether they're the Jehovah's Witness or whether they're just the people out here doing their own thing and could care less about God. Do you not see God's heart breaking for them as you become more like Christ, as you have His love inside of you? That love for them will also break your heart to where you cannot help but live for Christ and share His word with all that you meet, wherever they are, whoever they are, for the gospel of Christ Jesus alone is the power of salvation. And you, the church, are the only place, people on the face of the earth that has it. You have a debt to pay. And that is to this dying and lost world to share the love of God the Father through Christ Jesus, His Son, that was manifest to you with all of them. Are you going to do it? Ask God to do a special work in your heart give you a picture of that love of Jesus on the cross for you, suffering so much. Even our confession says he descended into hell, though a short time. Jesus wasn't supposed to go to hell. We're supposed to go to hell, but he suffered it for us. Oh, may you grow in your love towards him. And as you do, may you grow in your love and compassion towards those around us who are lost and undone, and they can't sugarcoat it. They're going to hell unless they come to Christ. Who's going to tell them? Not the media, not the government, you, the body of Christ. May God give you that impetus through His love, through His mercy, and the power of His Holy Spirit, now and forever. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's pray together.